0: chapters nine and ten of miss Philora's wedding gown by florence morse kingsley this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine miss philura hurried home after her brief interview with mr trimmer's new clerk in a troubled agitated state of mind now what she asked herself can have happened to gregory not being able to answer this query she harked back to the once-absorbing occupation of thinking about her own duty as related to that personable young man, at the present moment engaged in measuring off one and three-quarter yards of green ribbon for Miss Electa Pratt, who had entered the emporium just as Miss Philura Rice had left it. Miss Pratt had observed Miss Philura's agitation, but had attributed it to a widely different reason. She was herself bursting with a piece of information which had only just reached her after a circuitous route through the town. Um, you ain't lived here long, have you? She interrogated the young man who was wrapping up her purchase. She thought he strongly resembled a picture she had seen in an advertisement of ready-made clothes. He had the same clean-shaven, square jaw, straight nose, and tall, well-made figure. Miss Elector smiled into his grey eyes as she asked the question. No, I haven't, he said briefly. Then you ain't heard about the minister? The minister, he repeated. Oh yes, Mr. Pettibone. He was going to get married Thanksgiving Day. But I guess maybe it won't come off quite as soon after all. Why not? inquired Mr. Trimmers clerk with some sharpness. There had been a note of joy in the lady's voice, which she had made no attempt to disguise. There's strong feeling in the community that he'd better resign, and I guess he's going to. But of course, you wouldn't be interested seeing you're a stranger amongst us. Miss Pratt sniffed as she bestowed her parcel in the netted bag she carried. Then she bowed genteelly to Mr. Trimmer. Uh, I was going to stop at your house this noon to ask if you um, couldn't make it convenient to pay your pew rent, said that gentleman, motioning his clerk to retire. My pew rent, cried Miss Pratt. Well, don't I set in the singer's seat, I'd like to know. And Ma ain't been to church for more'n a year. Well, if you don't want the seat any longer, give it up, advised Mr. Trimmer. But we've got to raise some money, and you're on our books for twenty-five dollars. Well, when we get our new pastor, I'll speak to Ma about it, purred Miss Elector. But we'll be candidatin' for a spell, I suppose. What do you mean? demanded Mr Trimmer with considerable acerbity. Miss Pratt displayed some excitement. It's come to me straight as a string. Miss Deacon Buckthorn told Abby Whitten that Mrs. Scrimgeour told her that the deacon said the deacon was in here not ten minutes ago. Didn't he say we was going to have a new pastor? Not to me. No, ma'am. And didn't you tell your wife? Mr. Trimmer suddenly divested himself of his churchly manner for one thoroughly domestic. Oh, drat the women! was what he muttered under his breath. And all this time Miss Philura was wondering whether biscuit and cold boiled eggs cut into rounds and peach preserves with jelly roll would satisfy the appetite of the young gentleman who was going to drink tea with her that evening. He looked very hearty, she told herself, with certain misgivings. But she'd been reckless in her use of the chicken the butterwoman had left on the occasion of her last visit. Genevieve Parsons had been helping make the black and purple brocade and Miss Philura had set what she privately considered a lavish repast before the young person each day. Miss Parsons might be crossed in love but she brought a healthy young appetite to her meals. She had not said anything about her sorrow to Miss Philura although that lady was eagerly sympathetic. The girl sat by the window putting final touches on the brocade waist when miss philura hurried in quite out of breath i was never so surprised she declared the girl by the window fixed her brown eyes on the agitated face her sorrow had evidently got the better of her during miss philura's absence for her eyelids were pink and a stray drop twinkled on the long curling lashes oh you poor darling cried miss philura i feel almost wicked to be so happy when you but you know dear he is perfectly safe in the encircling good and your own must come to you oh and i hope you won't mind my saying it (laughs) but it slipped out before i thought the girl gazed almost defiantly at her would-be comforter I see cousin Malvina must have talked to you about my affairs, she said stiffly. Oh, please don't be angry, my dear, begged Miss Philura. I oughtn't to have mentioned it, but seeing my cousin so unexpectedly, although perhaps I shouldn't call him that. His mother was related to my mother, first cousin, once removed, I think it was. But cousin Caroline has always been kindness itself. And you don't mind my knowing just a little bit, do you, dear?" The girl made no reply to this appeal. Her slim shoulders lifted slightly as she searched in a small tin box on the window sill for a hook of the right sort. In the encircling good there is a lavish abundance of happiness for you, said Miss Philura softly. There was a pink spot on either thin cheek. Her blue eyes shone as bright as stars. I had to tell you, she went on, it wouldn't be generous to keep it to myself. Everything will come right if you will only... The girl faced about in her chair. I don't know what cousin Malvina Bennett told you, she said coldly. I was engaged to be married and his mother... I wasn't good enough. She made it perfectly plain. I saw that it was true. I wasn't suitable. So it's all over. He went to London or Germany. I don't know where exactly. He never wrote to me after Well, after I explained. We said goodbye and he went away. The young voice trembled slightly. I've told you this because I can't bear to have people sorry for me. So please don't. I know. I know, my dear. I want to be glad for you. Miss Philura stooped and dropped a butterfly kiss on top of the blonde head. I shall be glad for you. I am glad this minute. Everything will come right. You'll see. How could it? murmured the girl. You don't know her. It lacked exactly ten minutes of six o'clock when Miss Philura's bell jangled and Miss Philura herself quite pink and happy, after a reassuring glance at the biscuits browning propitiously in the oven, opened the door to admit Mr. Trimmer's smart clerk, looking smarter than ever, in clothes which his hostess was totally unable to appreciate, but which roused her to vague wishes concerning Mr. Pettibone's ministerial wardrobe. The tea-table was already spread in cosy proximity to the steady fires of the scarlet geraniums, which had flowered with surprising earliness this fall and almost immediately the two sat down. Upon second thoughts, which are often good and worthy, Miss Philura had added to her menu baked potatoes and a dish of creamed codfish, a delectable plat when properly prepared. The young man was hungry, there could be no doubt of that. Miss Philura beamed with delight when he accepted his fifth biscuit. Now Gregory, she said, with something of the authority of the successful hostess, I want you to tell me how it happens that you are in Innisfield working for George Trimmer. I do hope... She coughed delicately behind her fringe napkin. I hope the family has not met with reverses. This she felt sure was the proper term to apply to the losses of very rich people. No, he said quite seriously. Father and mother are quite well. And they haven't lost any of their confounded money. I wish they had. Yes, by George, I do. I wish they'd lose every cent of it. Oh, my dear, deprecated Miss Philura in pained surprise. I've met with reverses, though, pursued the young man. That's why I've cut it out. Miss Philura looked inquiringly. You've cut... He nodded the whole outfit. I'm my own man now, working for my living. Getting eight dollars a week and living on five. What do you think of that? She didn't know exactly what to think in view of his appetite. He had absentmindedly reached for his sixth biscuit and was buttering it thickly. I haven't had a decent meal before since I came to Innisfield. And you certainly can cook, Cousin Fleura. White stuff now. I'd like to see Mother's chef up against that. May I have some more and another potato? Miss Philura beamed. Oh, it's only creamed codfish, Greg, she told him. It's bully stuff. I'm going to have it every day at my house, if I ever get one. He heaved a deep sigh, which was not all content. And your dear mother, uh, what does she think of your... Um, Mother supposes me to be spending money in London, Paris, Baden. She thinks I'm in Europe. She saw me on board the Colonia four weeks ago. I had a first-class cabin, several thousand dollars, and incidentally, the maternal blessing. He was staring down at his plate. Won't you have some cake? Urged Miss Fuliora. It isn't quite as nice as I could wish, but... um, he leaned his elbows on the table and stared across at her do you think one person a fellow's mother say has a right to arrange his life for him according to her own ideas like bric-a-brac on a table his boyish good looks had hardened into something strangely stern for a fleeting instant miss philura thought he resembled the majestic person who had constituted herself the undisputed arbiter of so many destinies. If you do, he went on, I don't. I suppose I'll forgive my mother sometime. I shall, if... He paused to scowl darkly. The preserves, twittered Miss Philura gently, aren't quite as clear as usual this year, uh, but I hope you'll... um..." I was engaged to the dearest sweetest most innocent little girl on god's earth he went on she was oh lord i can't talk about it but she you see i graduated in june and i had my twenty-first birthday in april i'm no baby and we'd planned to be married and go abroad together mother had always said i should go as soon as i got my degree i got it and it was cum laude by george i worked like a dog when i told her you mean cousin caroline yes when i told mother about it and expected the lord knows what i ought to have expected she's as hard as this table and he smote the mahogany a blow that set miss philura's ancestral teacups dancing i beg your pardon cousin i hope i haven't broken anything but i can't think of it without getting swearing mad. Oh, I hope not, my dear," murmured Miss Philura. Your dear mother... She used to wash my mouth out with kitchen soap for what she called profanity, he said moodily. But kitchen soap isn't in it for what she's goaded me into since. Look here, cousin. I'll tell you what she did. She went to see my dearest girl. I had asked her to do it. But I might have known better. She went to see her and... it's too brutal. She told my darling she wasn't good enough. Think of that, will you? An innocent, white-souled angel of a girl. Too pure and sweet for any man to look at with anything but worship. And my mother told her she must give me up. Because... Oh, rot! It makes me sick. Genevieve sewed for a living and I... Genevieve? repeated miss philura "Hmm, that's her name pretty isn't it but it isn't a patch on her an excited colour was coming and going in miss philura's cheeks what should she do her duty to cousin caroline loomed majestic and threatening like that lady herself in irate mood as she gazed across the table at the face of her young kinsman oh my dear gregory she murmured gently how very extraordinary but you aren't eating anything the young man paid no sort of heed to the agitation of his hostess she's in this town somewhere he went on i wormed that much out of her mother but how could you in london you said "or, or was it east boston i'm so surprised you know to think i didn't stay in london he explained i allowed mother to ship me off for i wanted time to mull things over i came back directly and went straight to see genevieve but she was gone and she'd made her mother promise not to tell where she was she's proud the poor darling and when my mother oh confound it i can't talk about it but i want you to help me find her i've ransacked the town and i can't get any trace of her he fixed compelling eyes upon miss philura That's why I went to work for Trimmer. I thought she'd be sure to come there to buy something. And besides, I wanted to show mother and father I could earn my own living and hers too. You know everybody around here, Cousin Philura. You must have seen her. She's tall and slender. Her eyes are brown and her hair – you ought to see her hair – such a lot of it. And all shiny and curling. I've got a bit of it here he produced a wallet, from out a pocket of which he took a folded paper. There, he said, lifting a long strand of yellow hair from its wrapping. Did you ever see anything like that? Fine and soft and lovely. It's like her. Oh yes, yes indeed. I am so interested, dear Gregory. Oh, Isn't that the doorbell? Pray excuse me while I answer it. It was, as might have been expected, the Reverend Mr. Pettibone who craved admittance. Miss Philura heaved a deep breath of relief as she looked into his strong, tranquil face. I'm so very glad you've come, she whispered, as he stooped to kiss her. Really, I, I couldn't think what to do. My cousin is here, or perhaps I should say my distant relative. Cousin Caroline always speaks of me in that way, and so, of course somewhat breathlessly, she ushered him into the little sitting-room, where her guest stood moodily staring at the coals in the base-burner. "'My distant relative, Gregory Van Duser, Mr. Pettibone,' she managed to say. Then, while the two shook hands, looking squarely into each other's eyes after the fashion of men, she withdrew to the kitchen to gain composure. "'Oh, Morty, dear,' she whispered as she recklessly bestowed upon the cat the remainder of the creamed codfish, which would have done perfectly well for her own breakfast, to think I know where she is this minute and it is in my power to make two young creatures perfectly happy and to foil cousin Caroline as well. I'm afraid I can't help doing it and I am so glad. But I shall ask him. He'll know whether I ought to or not. But Providence which is not always hostile, whatever some people may think, and which indeed appears to interest itself particularly and most benignly in the loves of young and innocent beings, as no odds of the Reverend Mr. Pettibone, nor yet of Miss Philura. Gregory Van Duser, very stiff, though polite, towards the elderly person who had interrupted his conversation with Miss Philura, presently took his leave, and went swinging off down the street, At a great pace. At the corner, just beneath the ice-bound branches of a great elm, a shadowy figure had paused and was in the act of introducing a letter into the narrow mouth of a post-box when the arc-light struck a sparkle of gold from the bent head. Young Gregory's heart leaped to his throat and to his lips. ''Genevieve!'' he cried. End of chapter 9 chapter ten miss malvina bennett stood rubbing her chilled fingers over miss philura's cook stove from which that little lady had just taken a pan of hot water for her breakfast things miss bennett wore a shawl over her head and she had not removed from the front of her dress the faded pincushion fashioned in the shape of a heart and bristling with pins and needles i suppose you've heard about genevieve she began she said he was here taking supper with you last night And to think of his being a relative of yours. Oh, cried Miss Philura. In her agitation, she almost dropped the cracked teacup, which she had used for fifteen years, drinking her tea and coffee lukewarm out of consideration for its delicate condition. Oh, but I didn't tell him. I couldn't think what my duty was to cousin Casarine. But I asked Mr. Pettibone, and he said... I was settin' by the stove, readin' that continued story in the Fashion Monthly," chimed in Miss Bennet. Genevieve, she'd been writin' a letter to her ma. A better girl than Genevieve Parsons never lived, if I do say it, bein' sister-in-law to her ma's own sister. Cousin Malvina. she says, I'll just run out and slip this letter in the box. I'll be back in a minute. Oh, put on your coat, I says. It's growin' cold. Then I forgot all about her, having got to that point in the story where Lionel proposes to Lady Clara and she says she's always loved him from a child. Well, as I say, I'd completely forgotten Genevieve's going out to the post box when all of a sudden the clock struck nine. And I says whatever's got Genevieve. Up I jumps and put on my shawl and runs out to the letter box. There wa not a soul in sight. Oh my, but I was scared. Thinks so, I she's been brooding over her trouble so long she's out of her mind, maybe. Well, I started for your house hard as I could go, leaving my front door wide open. Well, of course, the wind blew in and broke the lamp chimney. I found the glass on the floor this morning. Oh, lucky it didn't set the house on fire. Then I see Genevieve. She was coming down the street with a man. Goodness, wasn't I flabbergasted? Well, they didn't see me, but just door along as if it was June. They went right by me. Beans took up with each other. They didn't see me no more as if I was an electric light pole. When they got to the house they stopped inside the gate. And right in the shadow of the big lilac bush he kissed her. I heard it. Oh, Then I took a hold. Genevieve, I says. Just like that I says it. She give a little scream. Oh, Cousin Malvina, she says. I thought you were... Yes, I says, you thought I was safe in the house by the base burner reading a love story. But I ain't, I says, I'm right on the job o' looking after you, I says, same as I told your ma I would. Then he spoke up. I'm Gregory Van Duser, he says, and is gonna marry me right away. Oh, Greg, she says. Yes, Genevieve, he says. You promised, you know. <sighs> Miss Bennett paused for breath. Oh dear, dear, murmured Miss Philura. Oh, ain't you glad? Demanded Malvina Bennett. You'd better believe I be. You wouldn't know Genevieve this morning when I come up to the sewing room after doing up the breakfast dishes. There she sits, as pretty as a pink, singing kind of soft to herself. And what do you think she was doing? Miss Bennet paused dramatically. "Well, I'm sure I don't know murmured miss philura wrinkling her forehead she couldn't help thinking of cousin caroline van duser and feeling like a guilty conspirator as she pictured to herself that majestic lady's wrath and consternation at the swift undoing of all her carefully laid plans oh, you couldn't guess an hundred years not if you was to die for it Oh, she wasn't crying hazarded miss philura oh, with joy i mean she amended quickly crying crying sniffed miss bennett you ain't got much imagination philura no she weren't crying she was a sewing purple buttons all down the back of miss buckthorn's red waist really interrogated miss philura weakly endeavouring to banish the stern visage of mrs j mortimer van duser from her mind and she'd sewed em on good and firm, too," continued Miss Bennet with a cackle of laughter. I'm going to send her over here to finish your black and purple this afternoon. I can't bother with her. And say, Philura, that reminds me. I'll take them white goods right home with me now and get the dress cut out and ready to fit. Oh, that's really what I come for. Oh, the white goods, repeated Miss Philura in a low voice. Oh, you mean... Um, I mean your wedding dress. I ought to have started on it before, but I wanted to get the shop kind of cleaned up and work out of the house before I begun on yours. Oh, oh but I... well, the material... Um... Miss Philura's voice died into silence. She polished the knife she was holding with tremulous fingers. Ain't you got the goods yet? Almost screamed Miss Bennett. And the wedding only a week off come Thursday. Oh, Why, Phil, you're a rice. Oh, I believe it is on the way, faltered Miss Philura. Then she straightened her small figure, confidently. It is on the way, she repeated firmly. It will be here soon. I should hope so if I'm going to make it, said Miss Bennet. I don't want to throw it together and I'd plan to trim it with some of that new kind of trimming made out of the goods. It's pleated on both sides the pleats turned opposite ways. Oh, it's awful stylish. But it takes time to make it. It must be pretty. Miss Philura spoke with a sweet aloofness which drew Miss Bennet's faded eyes to her face. Well, I must say, she syllabled, you don't seem to worry none about your goods being delayed. Some folks would be wild and flying round like an with their head cut off. Miss Philura smiled a sweet faint smile which somehow made miss bennett think of a pictured angel in her copy of pilgrim's progress i am not at all worried she said i'm sure sure it will come in time end of chapter 10